Buy one, get one half off traditional Wing Tuesdays at Buffalo Wild Wings? Wing Tuesdays is the best day of my life, every Tuesday. What about graduating valedictorian or the first day of your new job? I mean, those are all great, but they just weren't on a Wing Tuesday. Buy one, get one half off traditional wings every Tuesday, only at Buffalo Wild Wings. To the greatest of all times. Buy one, get one of equal value, 50% off traditional wings on Tuesdays at participating locations. Not valid with other offers. Size exclusions may apply, while supplies last. Limit one, delivery and takeout available at participating locations through Buffalo Wild Wings app or website. Fees, including service fees, may apply. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool, too. With an ice-cold cold brew. And not just any cold brew, but one that's slow-steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Hello there and welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. And we are going to start this week with a little bit of housekeeping. There's not a huge amount this week to go through, so I'm not going to bore you for too long. Uh, I had another review, uh, but it's actually from my wife, so it's a little bit biased, so I'm not going to read it out. She said she loves me voice, which uh, I kind of knew anyway, because that's, uh, that's why I married her. Or that's why she married me, let's say. So, <clears throat> I'm going to flip forwards we've had no new patrons this week so that's a bit depressing so anybody who does want to join get yourselves on patreon i do have a little note i am now on tiktok now this is uh, a little bit of my kids doings Uh, my kids are massive into tiktok and they have sort of got me into it so if anybody is interested it is dan underscore the viking um there's only a couple of videos on there, but I want to do a few things. So if you guys want to know anything, if you want to see anything, um, you know, in regards to things that we do differently in this country, send me a message. I can, uh, I can actually show you, you know, rather than just explain it. So, uh, you know, we've had a few questions. I know in America, uh, a lot of Americans find it weird that in England we have our washing machines in our kitchen. Uh, so I know that's, uh, that's one that you guys find a bit strange. So, like I said, there's little things like that. If you're interested, then hit me up. If you're not interested, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Uh, we are going to get on to the episode now. This week is a proper fun episode. This is something that I wanted to do when I started, uh, but I didn't know how many fans I would get. Obviously, now we've been going almost a year. So close, but almost a year. And it was something I wanted to to do this year you know something i've got i know now where my demographics are the majority of my followers and where you listen from um and i think this is something that is very very interesting this is also something very close to my heart and for those of you guys who are on facebook and have been on our facebook page there's no doubt that you would have guessed what it was it was the super bowl we are covering the history of the Super Bowl. 
So the reason I wanted to cover the history of it is because it's something I don't know a huge amount about. Now, me being a massive Pittsburgh Steelers fan, so for any of you guys who have listened to previous episodes, especially the About Me episode, you will know that I am a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan and have been for about 16 years now. Um, This was mainly due to the fact that about, well no, longer than that actually, it was about 12, so 18 years, um, my father um, is a Tennessee Titans fan um, because he likes country music and Tennessee is the home of country music. So my dad's, you know, Tennessee fan. Uh, he was a Houston Oilers fan before that, but obviously, uh, went to Tennessee. So he gave me an annual, a book. For those of you who don't know, uh, an annual is just a book, an NFL book. And he said, pick a team. Just look at, look at the teams, pick a team. Um, you know, and go from there. So, I looked into it and I thought, Do you know what? I'm going to pick the team because I bet everyone, especially in England, because we don't know a huge amount about it. I bet everyone picks the team with the best badge. You know, the Ravens, the, uh, the Buccaneers, you know, good badge. They look cool. You know, they're cool badges. Uh, even to an extent, the New England Patriots badge is pretty cool. Um, and I thought, Do you know what? I'm going to go for a team that's got a pretty shit badge, if I'm honest. And I was tossing up between two teams, and they were the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because, let's be honest, the Browns badge is just a helmet, and the Steelers badge is just three diamonds. They're they're pretty shit badges. And I thought, I'm going to go with the Steelers. This was without knowing anything about their history. And at the time, the Steelers had won four Super Bowls. Um, And I thought, yeah, you know, decent side, quite happy with that. And I looked into the history of the Steelers. Now, I could spend a two-hour episode going through the history of the Steelers, but I think that's going to bore everybody. Uh, since then, I've played the sport since I was 16 years old, and I have been a massive fan of the NFL. So, it's something that I do know a little bit about, and this is something that's very, very interesting. We are going to start right at the beginning. So, we're going to start way back in 1960 with a Dallas businessman called Lamar Hunt. Now, Lamar Hunt was 27 years old and wanted to own an NFL team. So, in the 60s, the NFL was, you know, it's the main sport in America, I would say, barring baseball at the time. So, it was a huge sport in America, and it was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, to the point that now, I would say it is bigger than any of America's other sports. Um, so he saw the potential of owning a team as, you know, his way to pr- do something in the world, um, and to do something that he, he enjoyed. Now, he was pretty much laughed out of every boardroom, never got it off the ground, and he decided to come up with a plan to get a handful of wealthy business owners who had some money, and instead of starting an NFL team, They were going to club together and start lots of teams and create their own league. And this league was to rival the NFL. And this team, oh sorry, this uh, rival league would be called the AFL, or the American Football League. Now, the AFL was a resounding success. It was the first time that a rival 
league or a rival competition, basically, was challenging the NFL for TV ratings, for star player signings, for draft picks and things like that. It became a huge thing for the the AFL rivalry. And it was that big that in 1966, the two leagues actually merged together. And they came to a decision that the following year, in 1967, at the end of the league season, that the main team, or the, the winning team of the AFL, would play the winning team of the NFL in a season-ending championship game. So this started in 1967. The first ever Super Bowl was played at the Los Angeles Coliseum between the Green Bay Packers of the NFL and the Kansas City Chiefs from the AFL. Now, it's the only Super Bowl in history that didn't sell out. Uh, well, I'm assuming up until this year, because I'm pretty sure they're not going to have a full stadium on Sunday, but we'll, we'll wait and see for that one. Um, one thing that was really shocking to me to find out was that tickets for the first ever Super Bowl, or the first ever championship game, were $6 each. The game was televised by two American TV channels, uh, CBS and NBC. Uh, both of these provided their own commentators to the game as well. TV played a huge part in the Super Bowl and obviously still does now. And, you know, a 30 second commercial in the first championship game was around $42,000 for a 30 second commercial, um, which to me sounds quite expensive but then when you put it into comparison of how much it would cost now for a 30 second advert in a Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl 54 uh, the average price for a TV commercial was 5.6 million dollars for a 30 second commercial which to me is just uh, just amazing I mean we don't get commercials uh, over here when the Super Bowl's on we we don't get them because it's it's played on BBC normally and BBC we don't get commercials through BBC uh, every other channel we do so all the rest of our channels we do have adverts but BBC doesn't have adverts in the UK so when the Super Bowl comes on BBC we all get to watch it from start to finish with with no interruptions so that's quite nice back to the first game though I mean like I said, it was uh, the Packers versus the Chiefs, um, and the Packers actually won 35-10 with the Packers QB, Bart Starr, was named MVP. Now, for those of you who don't know, the head coach of the Green Bay Packers was the world-famous Vince Lombardi, and his team, you know, prior to that, had won the NFL um They'd won that for the four out of the last six years. So they were really the dominant force in the NFL and now in the, the entire football league, the NFL and the AFL. Another little comparison between this Super Bowl and Super Bowl 54. Um, the players like the Green Bay Packers, uh, or from the Green Bay Packers, from that first Super Bowl, they would have got a winning bonus of $15,000, and the Chiefs would have got a winning bonus of $7,500, or a losing bonus, I suppose. Either way, they won money. Um, Super Bowl 54, the winning team, each player would get a bonus of $124,000, and the losing team would be $62,000. So 
quite a substantial jump in the amount of uh, revenue that these players would receive in sort of a 60-year period or 50-year period. One thing that, obviously, like I said, this was known as the championship game. Uh, So one thing that is really important to remember is how the Super Bowl actually got its name. Now, there were a few things that were batted around for ideas. Uh, One of them was the the Pro Bowl, which obviously is now a completely different thing. Uh, Another one, someone came up with the idea of calling it the big one. I mean, can you imagine it being called that now, the big one? It just doesn't doesn't sound right. Um, And uh, Hunt, the man who started the AFL, actually... Uh, made a joke that they should call it the Super Bowl because it was a super game, um, sort of as a as a bit of a joke, really. And uh, the NFL commissioner decided to go with uh, the NF NFL AFL Championship game, um, and that's that's where it stuck. Um, and that name stayed for the next two seasons. So the first two Super Bowls were actually called the NFL. AFL Championship game and Super Bowl 3 was the first one that was actually called the Super Bowl and that Super Bowl was played between the New York Jets and the Baltimore Colts it's been argued about the most important Super Bowl in history and to many historians or many sports historians uh, Super Bowl 3 was potentially the biggest and most important Super Bowl um, and that is because the Colts, the Baltimore Colts, were huge favourites from the NFL. They were the team to beat, and the NFL had dominated the AFL basically the entire few years that it had been around. Um, the AFL didn't really stand much chance. And there was one quarterback who disagreed with this, one quarterback who is world famous and that is Broadway Namath Uh, Joe Namath the quarterback for the New York Jets guaranteed a win for the Jets and the AFL and he provided the the Jets actually beat the Colts uh, 16-7 in Super Bowl 3 and that really put the AFL on the map as as a league to actually contend the following season, uh, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl four was won by the Chiefs, and Hunt, his team, it was his team, and it was the f- again the AFL that that won. So it was almost two all by Super Bowl four. And at the end of each Super Bowl, which I'm sure you guys know, they are the winning team is handed possession of a trophy, probably one of the most famous trophies in the world, and it's actually made by Tiffany or Tiffany and Co. Uh so the jewelers Tiffany's they make the the trophy now at the time it was called uh, the world uh, the world championship trophy or the world championship game trophy um and it was renamed in 1971 as the Lombardi trophy so for those of you who don't know that is the name of the trophy now and it is named after one of the most legendary coaches in the game Vince Lombardi who died in 1971 and another little side note is one thing I I found it a bit strange that I've uh, found out recently the reason why Super Bowls are actually counted in Roman numerals and this started in Super Bowl 5 with the Super Bowl V uh, and then they backdated it from there and, and obviously ever since then Super Bowls have been counted in Roman numerals the reason for that is um obviously the Super Bowl game 
is actually played the year after the season starts. So it's to avoid any confusion on dates clashing with anything. And it's, uh, well, you just wouldn't have it any other way now, would we? We we know it as Roman numerals and, and that's how it's stuck. And the only Super Bowl not to have Roman numerals. And if anyone can guess... There you go. Oh, I gave you a bit of time there. You could have guessed if you guessed it. It was Super Bowl 50. That was the first and only Super Bowl to not have Roman numerals as the the header or as the title of the game. I'm going to just flick a little bit here. We're going to go to Super Bowl 5 where the Dallas Cowboys lost the Super Bowl. Now, the interesting fact about this is not that they lost... But a defensive linebacker named Chuck Howley, who played for the Dallas Cowboys, was the first and only Super Bowl player to be named MVP from the losing team. So I'm pretty sure everyone knows what MVP means, but if you don't, it means most valuable player. So what they, every Super Bowl before that and every Super Bowl since, the most valuable player on the pitch has always come from the winning side, except for Super Bowl V, where they gave the award to Chuck Howley. Super Bowl VI saw the Dallas Cowboys come back and actually win, and it was the coldest Super Bowl on record, a well, freezing almost 39 degrees Fahrenheit, which to anybody else uh, is nearly four degrees about 3.8 degrees so to you know to the to us english who who do things from zero to a hundred which makes a lot more sense um <laughs> that is 3.8 degrees celsius and the following season uh the miami dolphins who got to the super bowl with the only undefeated run in nfl history played in the hottest super bowl ever which was 84 degrees fahrenheit which is uh, 28.8 degrees Celsius, which isn't overly warm, but from my recollection, and I can't guarantee the times on Super Bowls, but I'm aware that Super Bowl starts at half past six in the evening Eastern time, roughly. Um, so for it to be 28 degrees at half past six at night is, uh, yeah, that's pretty bloody warm. Super Bowl Eight between uh, the Dolphins and the Vikings was the first ever Super Bowl to be played outside of an NFL stadium, and it was played at Rice Stadium in Houston. Now, that's a bit strange, but it has actually happened uh, seven times in the in the past. Five have been played at the Rose Bowl, and one has been played at Stanford University Stadium. I'm going to, uh, you know, be a little bit biased now. We're going to go to Super Bowl Nine. Uh, where, let's be honest, the best team in the NFL won the Super Bowl. They beat the Minnesota Vikings 16-6. Uh, the following year, Super Bowl 10, the Steelers beat the Cowboys 21-17. Uh, the next two years, the Steelers fell off a little bit. Uh, the Oakland Raiders beat the Minnesota Vikings 32-14. Uh, Super Bowl 12, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, came back from their loss from the Steelers a couple of years before and beat the Denver Broncos, uh, 27-10. 
and well, the next two years very very important. Let's be honest, uh, Super Bowl thirteen and Super Bowl fourteen, the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, beat the Dallas Cowboys thirty five thirty one, and the L.A. Rams thirty one nineteen respectively. So uh, the seventies were really the Pittsburgh Steelers years. The the Steelers were the best team in the NFL in the seventies. There was no one that could could really touch them, um, and it was every I think not every team, but every era has that one team that nobody can touch. And I'm sure everybody listening to this knows the team that has been dominating the NFL for the last sort of fifteen years. Um, and if every team has had had that, you know that not every sorry I keep saying every team. Of course, every team hasn't had that, but every every generation has had that one team that dominated the NFL. Super Bowl fourteen, the Steelers game also uh, holds an NFL record. It was it was played at the Rose Bowl, and it has the highest attendance in Super Bowl history of a hundred and three thousand nine hundred and eighty five people. Who watched the game at the Rose Bowl? So when we talk about dynasties or teams that just really took control in an era, uh, the eighties brought in possibly <laughs> one of the most famous dynasties, and that is that of the San Francisco Forty ers who played their first Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl sixteen. It was also the first Super Bowl played in a northern state it was played in Pontiac Michigan um this has happened since then and and the reason super bowls are normally played in southern states or warmer states uh, i mean you can't class california as a southern state but if it's normally played in um warmer states it's because you can pretty much guarantee better weather and it's a little bit nicer viewing and a little bit easier for the players and it's just a bit better than playing in the freezing snow and there has only been six that have been played in northern states two played in detroit ford field uh, hosted super bowl 40 two were played in minneapolis minnesota indianapolis hosted super bowl 46 and the jet stadium metlife stadium hosted Super Bowl 48. Other than that, every Super Bowl has been in a southern state or a warmer state because uh, I know Californians don't class that as a southern state. So we'll say warmer state. Super Bowl 16, we're going to flash back a little bit, sure showed the debut of one of the most famous men in NFL history. And that is... John Madden. John Madden started his commentating at Super Bowl 16. And anyone who's worth their salt, or anybody who knows anything about NFL, knows John Madden. Even if it is just purely from the game, the PlayStation game or Xbox game, people have heard of John Madden. Super Bowl became an international sensation the following year in Super Bowl 17 um, and it saw the Miami Dolphins take on the Washington Redskins now please don't jump down my throat for Washington Redskins because I'm well aware of the fact that they've now changed their name to the Washington football team which 
you know, to be honest, it's the name of a football team. I don't, I don't understand why that's offensive, but it is. But for historical facts, they were called the Washington Redskins. So, seeing as they're not in the Super Bowl this year, I'm going to be calling them the Redskins because that's been their name uh, up until this point. So, but the reason this Super Bowl was so famous, like I said, is it was broadcast internationally, and there were 4.5 million fans in England alone who watched the Super Bowl, who watched Super Bowl 17. And that is one of the reasons why the Miami Dolphins and the Washington Redskins are possibly two of the most popular teams in England. Uh, another one, obviously, is uh, New York Giants, because it's New York. Uh, and another team is the New England Patriots, because, let's be honest, it's got the name England in it. They are probably the most famous teams in England or the most popular teams for England fans. Now, I know there's going to be a lot of people that jump down my neck here, especially people who listen to this who are uh, NFL fans in England. You're going to be like, no, I don't support them. I don't, they're rubbish or, you know, whatever. But they are the most common teams in England. Apart from possibly now the Jacksonville Jaguars who have almost been adopted as the new London team because every time they play their home games at Wembley so um possibly they are now in that that bracket of teams that are supported by English the Super Bowl now is actually broadcast over 180 countries in 25 different languages so it just shows how how much it's grown since the the inception um so we're on about here the Super Bowls of the 80s and we're talking about the great dynasty that Joe Montana and the 49ers left. And it's very easy to forget the LA Raiders in this, who actually managed to win Super Bowl uh, 11, Super Bowl 15, and Super Bowl 18. Especially Super Bowl 18, anybody who hasn't seen the run by Marcus Allen, um, I mean, wow, it, I can't, it's just unbelievable watching it. It's fantastic. So anybody who hasn't seen that, just Google Marcus Allen run Super Bowl 18 and you won't be disappointed. Super Bowl 19, um, possibly one of the most, oh God, what's the word, sort of eagerly anticipated games. Um, at the time, the two best quarterbacks in the world were Joe Montana um, of the 49ers and Dan Marino from the Miami Dolphins and this was the first time that they would square off together in a Super Bowl and uh, the 49ers came out on top in that game. Super Bowl 20 saw well they've been named one of the best teams ever uh, and that is the 1985 Chicago Bears team that destroyed the league at a 15-1 and season and won their first and only Super Bowl at Super Bowl XX. Super Bowl XX saw Richard Dent become the first ever defensive end to win Super Bowl MVP. Uh, there have actually only been uh, a handful of MVPs that have been defensive players. Now, obviously, we mentioned Chuck Howley from Dallas, uh, obviously on the losing side, uh, in Super Bowl 12, uh, sorry, it's not Super Bowl 12, Super Bowl 7, Jake Scott from the Miami Dolphins won. Uh, Super Bowl 12 was, uh, defensive lineman, uh, Randy White and Harvey Martin. So this was a duo, um, that had won the MVP. Uh, 
Super Bowl 30 was um, cornerback Larry Brown. Super Bowl 35 was linebacker Ray Lewis for the Viking, uh, Vikings for the Ravens. Uh, Super Bowl 40, sorry, 30. God, this is bloody trying to read Roman numerals. This is Super Bowl 37 was, uh, safety Dexter Jackson from the Buccaneers. Super Bowl, Super Bowl 47 was linebacker Malcolm Smith from the Seahawks and possibly one of the most famous, uh, Linebackers ever Super Bowl 50, uh, Von Miller from the Broncos won MVP. Super Bowl 22, flash forward a little bit. The Washington Redskins won again. What's interesting about this game or a little fact about this game was Doug Williams, the quarterback, actually became the first ever African American quarterback to start and win a Super Bowl. The following year, Super Bowl 23, uh, saw Joe Montana with possibly the best, most famous and outstanding drive in NFL history uh, with three minutes on the clock left in the fourth quarter uh, to come back and win the game from behind uh, in the last 30 seconds of the game. Super Bowl 24 saw the San Francisco 49ers join the Pittsburgh Steelers as the only other team to win four Super Bowls. And boy, did they do it in superb fashion. They beat Denver 55-10 in that Super Bowl. Most one-sided Super Bowl ever played on that day. Super Bowl 25 saw the first ever Super Bowl that was decided by less than three points, or one kick. And I'm really sorry, Buffalo fans... And I'm sure you guys probably know better than I do, but this was the first out of the next four seasons where you lost in the Super Bowl four years in a row. Super Bowl 25 saw the Giants take home their second Super Bowl trophy. And this was mainly due to the fact that they had a, an extremely good defense. And they had this coach on their defense, defensive coordinator, uh, a young coach uh, named Bill Belichick. So just remember that he started as a Giants defensive coach. The next dynasty, we shall say, started with Super Bowl 27, where America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, destroyed Buffalo 52 17 and they beat the bills again the following year it's the first time ever in his or in nfl history that both teams have made the same super bowl two years in a row super bowl 29 saw the san francisco 49ers overtake the steelers and become the first team to win five lombardi trophies and the following year the Dallas Cowboys also got their fifth Lombardi trophy at Super Bowl 30. The following year saw Super Bowl 31 and the return of the Lombardi trophy home, as far as the Green Bay Packers fans are concerned. Anyway, Brett Favre managed to secure the victory 29 years after they won that trophy at Super Bowl 2. The following year, 
the Green Bay Packers made it to the Super Bowl again, but this time they were pipped in Super Bowl 32 by John Elway and the Denver Broncos. The Broncos actually became the second team in NFL history <clears throat> to actually be a wild card team and win the Super Bowl. The first ones were the LA Raiders in 1980, then the Broncos in 97, the Baltimore Ravens won it in 2000, the Steelers in 2005, the Giants in 2007, and in 2010, the Green Bay Packers again won the Super Bowl, and all six of those teams were wild cards going into the, the playoffs. So for those of you who don't know what a wild card is, we're going to go through the playoff structure and how it works in the NFL now. So when it started in 1966, the NFL and the AFL both played one playoff game. So the top two teams in the NFL and the top two teams in the AFL played each other. The winner went to the Super Bowl. When the merger happened in 1970, the now AFC and NFC, uh, the two wild card or sorry two playoff games so there were four teams that qualified the top ranked team of the four played the bottom ranked team of the four and the middle two played each other the higher ranked getting home field advantage and the next game would be played by the winners of that and the winners of that game would then go to the Super Bowl this stayed in place until 1978 when the NFL decided to add an extra wild card game, which saw two teams play together to become the fourth seed. So it added one extra team into that. <clears throat> In other words, if you were the fourth seed, fourth highest seeded team, you would have to play the fifth highest seeded team to get into the game where you would play the top highest seeded team. So it's a bit confusing, but it does make sense. This stayed until 1990 when it was changed to what we see now, which is the 12-team playoff. In other words, six from the NFC, six from the AFC. The top four teams, uh, or the top two teams, go straight through without a wild card game. The next two, the third and fourth seed, have to play a wild card team before they can play their next game. Again, it does sound very confusing, but it does make sense. If you actually look at the structure, uh, if you're a wild card team, you have to play your wild card game, you then have to play your divisional game, then your conference game before you even get to the Super Bowl. So we'll get back into the action. We're going to go to Super Bowl 34. And as much as this pains me to say it, because they are my second team, if I had to pick a second team, I would pick my dad's team. Um, and that is the Tennessee Titans, who were stopped with two seconds left on the clock on the one-yard line to lose the Super Bowl. Um, to the St. Louis Rams. Uh, they lost 23-16. And if you actually watch this game, you can watch the, the last play of the drive with two seconds left. It's a completed pass and he gets to the one yard line and is stopped there dead. One yard and the Tennessee Titans win their first Super Bowl and they didn't manage to do it, unfortunately. We're going to go to Super Bowl 36 now I'm going to flash forward and the reason I'm flashing forward 
because this is where we see the introduction of the GOAT, Tom Brady, to which he won. He beat the St. Louis Rams. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, actually won their first Super Bowl the following year. Uh, they beat the Oakland Raiders. Uh, that was Super Bowl 37. At Super Bowl 38 and 39, Tom Brady did it again. He won the uh, the Super Bowl both times, Super Bowl 38 and 39. That is 2003-2004. That's actually the last time uh, so far in history that a team has won it back-to-back. It has actually happened eight times, so it has happened quite a lot. Uh, the Packers did it in 66 and 67. Uh, the Dolphins, 72 and 73. The Steelers, just saying, did it twice, 74, 75, and 78, 79. Uh, the 49ers, 88 and 89. The Cowboys, 92 and 93. The Broncos, 97 and 98. And like I said, the Patriots won it 2003 and 2004. Super Bowl 41 uh, saw the Bears uh, return the first ever Super Bowl kickoff for a touchdown. But they lost. (laughs) They lost after that. They lost to Peyton Manning and the Colts. The following year, uh, his brother won the Super Bowl. Eli Manning took the Giants all the way and beat the Patriots in Super Bowl 42. The following year, Super Bowl 43 saw the best catch you will ever see in your entire life. Sod Odell Beckham's one-handed catch. This catch by San Antonio Holmes in Super Bowl 43 for the Steelers. Game-winning touchdown. Best catch you'll ever see in your life. Anybody who gets a chance to get on YouTube and see that, get on there and see it. I know I'm biased. I know there's, you know, some, some I'm going to get messages now. People going, that's not the best catch ever. This catch was better. This catch was better. No, you're not going to convince me otherwise. That was the best catch in NFL history. It also took the Steelers to that magical sixth Lombardi trophy and it put Mike Tomlin on the map as the youngest NFL coach ever to win a Super Bowl at the age of 36. The following year, Super Bowl 44 saw the New Orleans Saints play in their first ever Super Bowl and win it. The following year was stairway to seven for the Steelers, Super Bowl 45, but it wasn't to be. They lost to the Green Bay Packers, uh, Packers getting their fourth Lombardi trophy and the Steelers missing out on going to number seven. The following year uh, saw Eli Manning do it again to the New England Patriots and beat them 21-17 to uh, take home the Lombardi trophy and take the New York Giants to their fourth ever championship win. Super Bowl 47, another title race that was uh, something completely different, saw uh, two brothers face off as head coaches, uh, John Harbour and Jim Harbour of the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers, in which the underdog Ravens would come out and win the Super Bowl. The following season, uh, Super Bowl 48 saw the best offense in the league, Peyton Manning's Denver Broncos, face off against the best defense in the league from the Seattle Seahawks. And 
we all know what happened in that game. The Seahawks absolutely destroyed them 43-8. to And the Broncos were pretty much out of it from the first minute of the game. Seattle were back the following year, Super Bowl 49, to face off against Tom Brady and the Patriots again. This Super Bowl was actually the most viewed uh, Super Bowl in American history. And there were around 114.4 million viewers in the US alone. I remember this Super Bowl like it was yesterday. I remember sitting there watching this. And down to the last play of the game. And the Seahawks have a running back named Marshawn Lynch. Who was fucking unbelievable. They had two downs to get two yards and the head coach called a pass and even the commentators were there going why do you do that why do you do that you have the best running back in the league and he called a pass and it was intercepted by Malcolm Butler on the one yard line and it handed the victory to Tom Brady and the Patriots giving them their fourth Lombardi trophy Super Bowl 50 saw Peyton Manning come back and win uh, he actually retired after this game along with Von Miller um, and the Broncos beat the Carolina Panthers 24-10 to take Super Bowl 50. The following year saw Brady again back in the Super Bowl and in the third quarter the Falcons were actually beating the Patriots 28-3 in one of the most spectacular comebacks in Super Bowl history. Seeing the New England Patriots come back and win 34-28 and giving New England its fifth Lombardi trophy. Which coincidentally was decided in overtime and was the only Super Bowl ever to go to overtime in which team come out and won being the Patriots. Super Bowl 52 saw the Patriots back again for another Super Bowl. This time they actually lost out to the underdogs the Philadelphia Eagles 41-33 Super Bowl 43 on average the tickets went for $4,300 each and got more expensive closer to game day Compare that to the uh, the $6 tickets that you would have got at the first Super Bowl. And it saw the return of, yes, you guessed it, Tom Brady. And the Patriots went on to win 13-3 against the LA Rams. Now, I watched this game. It was a really shit game to watch. But they still did it. Super Bowl 53 saw Tom Brady take home his sixth ring the only quarterback ever in history to do that. The following year saw the Kansas City Chiefs. This was last year, Super Bowl forty sorry, fifty-four, saw KC beat San Francisco 49ers 31-20. So we're gonna go on to this year, which is gonna show the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And guess what? Tom Brady's back in the Super Bowl, but this time for a different team. Tom Brady has been in the NFL for 20 years, and this is his 10th Super Bowl. To anybody who denies whether Tom Brady was the best or is the best quarterback that has ever lived, 
you need to look at that. 50% of his seasons, he has been in the final, in the biggest game of his career, 10 years out of 20. He hasn't won it 10 times, he's won it 6 times, or possibly 7 by Sunday, we don't know. Um, Personally, my money as a betting man is on Kansas City. I think they've got the better team. Um, but you can't rule out Tom Brady. You just can't rule him out. So, yeah, we shall see on Sunday whether Tom Brady takes home his seventh and takes it to Tampa Bay. But it does go to show that uh, I was always told Tom Brady, he's not that good. It's Belichick and he's got a good team around him. It's it's all down to, to Belichick. It's all down to him. It's not Tom Brady. He's just decent, but he's not that good. Um, he's just got a good team around him. Well, he's left the Patriots now and he's doing exactly the same in Florida. So I'm pretty sure it's Brady. Gonna finish with this. Um, and it's, uh, if you are a fan of one of these teams, I do apologize because this might hurt a little bit. The first four teams I'm gonna read out have never made it to a Super Bowl. They are the Houston Texans. The Cleveland Browns, way kind of glad they've never made it, to be fair. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Detroit Lions, all four of those teams have never made it to a Super Bowl. There are, however, eight teams who have made it to a Super Bowl, but never won a Super Bowl. They are the San Diego Chargers, Tennessee Titans, Buffalo Bills, and let's be honest, Bills, you had four cracks at it, you should have done it. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals, again, another team I'm quite glad have never won. Um, Carolina Panthers, uh, Minnesota Vikings, and I bet some of you are thinking, why is he not a Vikings fan? This is his name. Well, that is because that wasn't my nickname when I started watching NFL. I was not Dan the Viking when I was 12 years old because I didn't have a beard, so that's the reason why. Uh, Arizona Cardinals and the Atlanta Falcons are the last two teams that have never won a Super Bowl but have been there. So, yeah, something a little bit different for you guys this week, something a bit more fun, I think. Oh, well, at least I hope it's a bit more fun and I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Um, We will be back next week with a very different type of historical story. It is one thing that the English know a lot about. So if you are an English fan of my podcast, you will know this story. But I still want you to guess. And I want you to guess because I will be covering two stories next week on the same podcast. One of them is a very, very short story, probably about five or six minutes long, hence why we'll be covering two on the same one. So the picture will be going onto the Facebook group. Get yourselves on there and have a look. See what you think. See if you listen, you look at it and go, I know exactly what that is. Have a guess. If you don't know, have a guess anyway. You can't, you know, unlikely to be completely wrong, but it's worth a go. And for those of you who do think, what's he talking about? Why do I have a guess at what? Get onto Facebook, get onto This Week in History on Facebook, join the group and you will understand and you can play along with everybody else. For those of you who want to join my Patreon, like I said, I've mentioned it earlier in the show, get yourselves onto patreon.com forward slash This Week in History, join us there, Uh, it's $5 a month and you get access to shows that you will not get on this feed. But thank you for listening guys and remember, we all have history 
make yours great. Bye-bye. When you sign up for BP Me Rewards, you can get five cents off every gallon of gas every time at BP or Amico stations. That means more savings and more whatever you'd like to use your savings on. So treat yourself. It's on us. Visit bp.com slash save to learn more. The world is always on. But you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. At Mattress Firm's Black Friday Now Sale, save up to 60% on Sealy with queen mattresses starting at $279.99. Talk to a sleep expert today and unjunk your sleep. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a drama coach to be an IT guy. Yeah, I'm having trouble logging in. I'm not buying it. Say it again. This time with feeling. I can't log in? Come on, man. I want to feel your struggle. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Now, like your life depends on it. I can't log in. Yes, we'll make an actor out of you yet. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. When you love riding a motorcycle, you want to ride it everywhere, even getting a dental checkup. Mr. Carter, wouldn't you prefer the chair? I'm fine on my bike, Doc. Well, let me know if you feel any discomfort. And when you love saving money, you want to save even more. That's why GEICO makes it easy to bundle your motorcycle and car insurance. All done, Mr. Carter. Remember to brush, floss, and lubricate your drive chain regularly. Kickstart your savings with GEICO Motorcycle. Bundle and save on the things you love.